Let's pray. Lord Jesus, help us to find your will. Help us to walk the path that you call us to walk. Help us to realize we have no reason to fear death because you have defeated death. And when it comes to end times, we have no reason to fear because we are victorious now and forever. Help that truth to be alive in each of our hearts each and every day for all eternity. We praise in your name. Amen. Before I begin the message, um, a couple things. You know, first of all, I want to say a special thank you to you, the people of Shepherd of the Desert, for um, last week as I was able to celebrate with you 30 years in, in ministry and for your, your cards, your, your gifts, your prayers, your words of encouragement. And it's been an amazing and wonderful 30 years. And I was talking to Bob Jen. His father was a pastor for 50 years, so he gave him the challenge to try to make it to at least that long. And we'll see what happens, what, how, what God has in store. But I, I thank God for the privilege to serve him with you and what a great group of, of people you are and, and God has big plans for our future and that leads into the second thing that this past summer um, I've been like I mentioned a pastor for 30 years I don't think I've ever seen a summer where so much work has been done in preparation for this fall and the months to come and, and our staff's been working hard the leadership's been working hard and we are excited about the things that are to come and, and a lot of Bible studies taking place you know faith development is a huge emphasis for us um, that we grow deeper in our faith and then ultimately wider in how we share that faith with others. So we really want to encourage you to, um, to be involved in a Bible study, um, to see how God leads you to be part of um, a lot of exciting things that are going to be kicking off in these, these weeks and, and months ahead. So I'm, I'm really excited about what God is doing you know, in our church and our school. Today we conclude our series, um, God Connects. And, and you know, before I um, talk about that, um, starting next week is going to be a different formatting for the preaching. Um, the past year, we've been in a rotation where normally like the sermon I did here, the next week I do it at Mountain View, and then Pastor Allen, same thing, Pastor Jeremy, same thing. Our organizational structure is getting a lot more focused, and so Pastor Jeremy, as a pa- the pastoral campus pastor for the Mountain View campus, will be over there pretty much all the time, um, focusing on that campus and preaching probably 75% of the time on that campus. Pastor Allen is the lead pastor for this campus, and he'll be preaching about half the time here, and I'll be kind of filling the gaps on both campuses back and forth, and the purpose is to get more focused and to really build each campus more, and and so um, your main campus pastor and campus pastor Allen, what a wonderful shepherd um, he is. And as we conclude the series, God Connects, um, this is a video series that, that you can access online. We have it on our website. You can actually access it through our website or, or just Google God Connects Lutheran Hour Ministries. Or even for me, just put God Connects. It pops up right away. It's a series of about 12 videos that are well done that explain the foundations of what we believe. And today, um, the last one of these series is um, focusing on the end times. So at this time, please watch the screen. I'm the Lutheran Hour speaker. Pastor Greg Seltz will will share for about the next six or seven minutes. God Connects. Have you caught a good zombie movie lately? For whatever reason, some people have an interest in the concept of the dead rising from the grave. While there may be some entertainment value in resurrected zombies, 
What happens to us when we die is a real question that needs a real answer. It may be the most important question that you'll ever ask. Zombies aside, you may be interested to know that Christianity actually has a very intriguing perspective on the dead rising from the grave. And we must come to our own terms that our own bodies are wearing out every day to the point that one day we know that we too will die. So what happens next exactly? The Bible has a surprising answer. Jesus spoke these words, a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good will rise to live and those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. Christians believe that Jesus really died when he was executed on the cross. However, his exact same body came back to life on Easter. We call that the resurrection. Christ now has a body that will never die again. But the good news doesn't end there. This is the promise that's given also to us. We also believe that all the dead will be brought back to life. Those who believe will experience a new everlasting life of joy in God's presence. We will live in perfect happiness in heaven with our bodies. Wow! Are you intrigued yet? Listen to how God's faithful servant Job described his faith that his body would live again. He said, I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh, I'll see God. So what is eternal life like? You know, often it's pictured as people possibly even wearing wings, walking around in the clouds up to their knees. But that's not what the Bible describes. It's more helpful to think of eternal life as the Garden of Eden 2.0, a physical world for our physically resurrected and glorified bodies, just like Christ's, where we'll walk and talk in the presence of God, just like Adam and Eve once did long ago. God wants our company. God wants our fellowship. Keep in mind, it's going to be wonderful. The scripture says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. So when does this all happen? Well, it happens when the world as we know it ends. It's called the last day or judgment day. On that day, Jesus will return, not as a humble baby as he came the first time, but in all of his power and glory as God. The world will be destroyed and recreated in perfection without sin. The Garden of Eden 2.0. Scripture says that day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Jesus' return on the last day is a big deal for everyone, dead and alive. So when will this great day of Jesus' return be? Will it be even in my lifetime? While many individuals and religious groups have tried countless times to predict when the last day will be, Jesus himself makes it clear. 
But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. So what events will lead up to the end of the world? And what about Revelation, that scary book with its vision about the end times? Well, we need to keep in mind that the Bible is clear about how the world will end. Revelation is by no means the only book in the Bible that explains what will happen. In the last century, complicated theories about the end of the world arose among some churches. However, the near consensus of the church for centuries has been this. At an unexpected time, Christ will return to bring an end to the world as we know it. He will restore the creation to its previous perfection. All will be resurrected and judged before Christ. Those who reject Him will be lost, and believers will live with Him in joy forever. When the end of the world is portrayed by Hollywood, you can probably think of many apocalyptic movies with plenty of explosions and mayhem. Well, the biblical description of the end includes that sort of radical change, to be sure. But Hollywood leaves out the best part. A new, perfect world will be created. The Garden of Eden 2.0. So again, those videos can be accessed um, online. And I want to encourage you to, um, for your own use, but also to share with other people that maybe are wondering about the Christian faith or done extremely well. Today, again, the focus is on end times. It's on what happens after you know, we leave this earth. And you know, this ring I wear on my left hand, this is from my grandfather. And he worked for the telephone company f- for 50 years. And we retired, he got this ring. It's actually a, a dial phone. Remember those dial phones from a long time ago? And, and um, so when I was around 10 years old, my, my grandfather, um, he had a medical challenge where his intestines, um, they burst. And he was in a hospital, and, and we were, we've drove there, and I went to see him in the hospital. He had all kinds of tubes, and, and he couldn't talk. Um, but he, he mouthed to me, I, I love you. And the next day, um, he passed away. And I remember going to the, the, the funeral service, and, and there he was, you know, and they, one day he was there, the next day he was gone. And it really was an event that kind of really hit me hard. And then with time, eventually my other grandparents passed away, my mom passed away. I've seen had many people very dear to me pass away. And what happens? Where do they go? What, what takes place after death? And, and so what I want to talk about today and, and what I want to share with you is not my viewpoint, but what does God's word say about what happens after death? What does God's word say to us about the end times? And so on this Labor Day weekend, I'm going to make you work, okay? I want you all to take out a Bible. Take out one of these Bibles in front of you. If you're sitting in the back, there should be some in the pews in front, or there's a cart in the back corner over there that has Bibles in them. Um, So we are going to do a quick Bible study, and and so it's going to come right from God's Word, and we're going to start in Genesis, we're going to end in Revelation, and you're still going to be out of here before um, 1030, I guarantee you. So I want you first to turn to page 5, page 5 to Genesis 3, verse 15, the lower right-hand corner of that page. As you're doing that, the challenge in our world, it's sin. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve sinned, and everything began to fall apart. And God could have decided to destroy his creation, start over again, but that's not the kind of God we have. And so we see in Genesis 3.15, God speaking. 
in, in addressing Satan. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, you will strike his heel. This is really what God is saying here is that a descendant of Eve is going to come and crush the head of Satan once and for all. That descendant one day is going to be who? Jesus. That God is promising he's going to take care of this problem of sin. He's going to take the world that got corrupted by sin and one day again make it perfect. There would be a new heaven and a new earth. I want you now to jump to um, page 9. Page 9. Now, in the Old Testament, people lived how old? Like over 900 years old, okay? Why don't we live that long anymore? I think it's because God has had mercy on us, to be honest with you. Because we see in, in Genesis 6, 3, he decides to change the lifespan of human beings. So as in Genesis 6, 3, then the Lord said, my spirit will not contend with man forever, that's in regards to the earth, for he is mortal, his days will be 120 years. And what's interesting, even this day and age, no one ever lives past what, how many years? 120, that's the max capacity. God set the cap right there, and, and I think it was mercy, you know, that who'd want to live here for over 900 years, the way this world is? And so at that point, the lifespans became shorter. Now we're going to jump to Isaiah middle of the Bible, page 1076, 1076. And here we see throughout the Old Testament prophecies about how God's going to restore things, how God is going to make things right, even though we have brought sin into this world. And we see reference here to not just the Holy Spirit, but also reference to Jesus himself. And so chapter 11, verse 1, 1076. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. And from his roots, a branch will bear fruit. Now, Jesse's the father of David. So remember, a descendant of Eve's going to come? And so the Old Testament whole Bible follows this genealogy from Adam and Eve all the way to who? Ultimately to Jesus. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and power, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. Now, the Bible says that Jesus has the Holy Spirit without limit. And we see, in fact, in Revelation, it talks about the sevenfold spirit. If you count the attributes listed there, there are seven attributes listed right there in Isaiah. Reading out, he will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy, and with justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, with the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. What's he talking about there? His word. Ultimately, his word is what is powerful. You know, the, the Bible is so powerful. Like even today, I know I can't go wrong because I'm sharing with you God's word, okay? His word is true. I'm only going to mess it up as me. But his word is the ultimate power and authority for our lives and for eternity. It says righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness to sash around his waist. Now watch what happens next. Follow what happens. This is the new earth one day. The wolf will live with the lamb, and the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together. The lion will eat straw with the ox. The infant will play near the hole of the cobra, and the young child put his hand in the viper's nest. Wouldn't it be quite the sight to see those things happening? Someday it's going to happen. Imagine a zoo where the, the lions are hanging out with the sheep and their buddies. Kind of a strange concept. Someday it's going to be like that. 
They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord, and the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the people, and the nations will rally to him, and his place of rest will be glorious. This is a picture of what Jesus is going to bring someday, a new earth, a perfected earth, as Pastor Seltz mentioned, Eden 2.0. We're going to jump to the New Testament, to Romans chapter 8. Romans 8 on page 1757, 1757, the future glory. Anybody ever wonder what happens to your pets when they die? Okay, I've had a lot of deep theological discussions, especially with some of my colleague pastors, and I have my theory, it's based upon the scripture, okay, and I want to first read the scripture, then share my theory with you as far as where Fido goes after um, his days are, are over on this planet. Verse 18 of chapter 8. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits an eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who are the first fruit of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. What did we just read here, there? Basically, not only are we looking forward to the coming of Jesus and the perfection we're going to have um, after the second coming, even the perfection we have when we leave this, this planet, but also creation is waiting for it. Creation is suffering because of the sin that mankind brought into this world. Creation's looking forward to the redemption. Why would creation be looking forward to the redemption if creation itself is also not going to be redeemed? But ultimately, my feeling from this is that someday on that new earth, you might see Fido or whatever pet you had in the past. I think there's, there is hope for them to have something beyond um, this planet here. And, and because creation's looking forward to that second coming to the the new earth. Now let's jump to 1 Corinthians 15, page 1791, 1791, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51, the right margin. 1791, verse 51. So what happens after we leave this planet? What's going to happen at the second coming? It says, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. Again, we see time and time again in the Bible, death is not called death. Death is called what? Sleep. Because it's temporary. It's not permanent. It's temporary. We just, it's a transition from this life to the next. It's kind of like last night when you fell asleep to when you woke up this morning, how much time went by? Well, it might have been six, seven, eight hours, but whether it's even 12 hours, it seems like no time because we're in sleep, that we're entering into timelessness someday when we, we get to, to heaven to be with the Lord, whereas now we're dealing with the clock over and over again. And it says, in a flash in the twinkling of an eye, the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed in the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, and the saying is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. 
Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? What just happened there? What do we read? What it's saying is that um, someday we are going to be given a perfect heavenly body at the point that we pass away, our soul is going to be with the Lord, okay? And even if Jesus comes back and we're still here, we're still going to be receiving this perfect heavenly body. What is that going to look like? I don't know, but I'm excited about it because I've been trying my whole life to have a six-pack stomach and all I got is a keg. And, and, and so someday we're going to have a perfect body, whatever that means. And, and, um, and we're going to, it's a body that's imperishable. Like we have a food pantry. What kind of items do we ask for a food pantry? Non-perishable food items, right? Well, someday we're going to have a non-perishable, perfect, heavenly body um, with our souls going to be united with. And because of what Jesus has done through his death and resurrection, we have that victory. I have two more scriptures to share. Um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, page 1840. 1840. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13. I got to be honest with you. In our Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, our view of the second coming of Jesus is very simplistic. Okay? Pastor Sells commented on that as well. There are many views out there. Many are super spectacular. There's going to be like these, you know, this rapture and these seven years of, of Armageddon and all these things going on and, or a, a millennial age for, for a thousand years. We don't believe that. We, we believe what it says right here. This is one of many scriptures that kind of, to me, makes it very clear. So follow this carefully because this kind of lays out the sequence of events as to what's going to happen with the second coming of Jesus. 413. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep, or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. Again, that term, fall asleep. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have been fall asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are still are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive will be left, or left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. It lays it out. Jesus is coming back one time. Okay, not multiple times. Some believe maybe three or four times. He's coming back one time. And what's going to happen is first, those that have passed away before us, their bodies are raised and they're given their perfect heavenly bodies. Their souls that have been with the Lord will be united with their perfect heavenly bodies and they are resurrected. And then we who are still alive, we're next. Who's left behind? The unbelievers, okay? That's not a rapture there, folks. That's a sequence of events of what is going to happen. And so the point is, we don't need to worry. To be honest with you, there's, there's two ways we're going to leave this planet. Either our body's going to break down and our soul's going to go to heaven as our body like falls asleep, or Jesus is going to come again and we go right straight up to heaven. And so we don't need to fear either one of them because Jesus Christ has won the victory through his death and through his resurrection. The last question is, what is heaven going to be like? We're going to go to almost the very end of the Bible, to Revelation 21, 1937. 1937, Revelation 21. 
I mean, God's word is amazing. It's just so incredible. It's just all consistent. It all comes together. And I truly believe this, as I, before I share this last scripture. The less we fear death, the more free we are to live. Okay, I truly believe that. We don't have to fear death. And we don't have to fear the second coming. We have so much to look forward to. And here is a glimpse of what John sees in heaven. Verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven, the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Is that something to look forward to? A perfect existence, joy, happiness, love. And it's not just Eden 2.0. There's a new heaven and a new earth. And we're going to experience the glories of both of them. This is something we can look forward to, not something to be afraid of. You know, Paul says to live is Christ and to die is gain. He said, I'd rather die and go to heaven, but obviously God still has work for me to do here. You know, we are to comfort one another with his truth. We have nothing to fear. God's in control. He's won the victory for us. And so I want to encourage us to, to hang on to these words, and not just in our hearts. We've probably heard these things before, but to live it out in our lives. And the best way for us to respond on this Labor Day weekend always is a couple of verses I want to share really quickly. In Ephesians 2.10, it says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. And then from Colossians 3.23, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord and not for people. That the work we do in this life, as we live out our days on this planet, before we see Jesus face to face, before we receive that perfect, heavenly, glorified body one day, there's work for us to do. Whatever we do, in thanks and praise to God, let's work for Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you so much for what you've done for us. Because of your death and resurrection, we are going to live forever. The best is yet to come. Lord, if there's fear of death in our hearts, remove it. If there's concern about your second coming, Lord, take that away. Because your word is all about comfort, that we are more than conquerors because of what you've done for us. And I pray in response to what you've done for us, help us to work in greater ways for you in spreading your kingdom, to work for you in all that we do. We pray this in your name. Amen.